When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to connect with people with what they're going through and what's happening today. And today we're looking at the story of Joseph. It's a really powerfully written story in the Bible. Um, just the way it's written is beautiful. And it's long. It's a long story in, in the Bible, one of the longest stories of a person's life we have. But um, today the story twists and turns with this um, hidden identities and accusations of spying and the first glimpses of forgiveness and how it works. Joseph remembered what they had done to him. He remembered that they had done this terrible thing to him. Uh, on the third day after their imprisonment, Joseph says to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. Now, this is, um, this is his first tipping of his cards of who he is. I fear God. What God? does he fear? Uh, what God do they know about? They know about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their father. They know of that God, the God of the desert, the God of their oasis, the God of their flocks and herds, the God that promised to Abraham that he would make a great nation out of his seed, even though he didn't have any children at the time. And here they are in Egypt, far away, and here this stranger who seems to know things about them that they can't quite fully comprehend. Um, this stranger says that he also fears God. He's making this reference to God. The God that he's making reference to is a more generic word for God. It's not Yahweh. It's not Jehovah. It's not the name of God, but it's in general God. And if you're honest, men, um, Keep, keep a hostage here. We'll keep one here. They pick Simeon. He stays. Um, and we'll see if you're honest. Um, this testing of their honesty is part of the great ironic twists of this story. That Joseph is probing their sense of who they, their sense of goodness and who they are and their honesty. They have done what we could consider in any, by any moral standard, the worst thing you could do to betray and kill practically by all intents and purposes, their own family member, their own brother. We call that fratricide um, in modern English, the killing of a fraternus, a brother. Um, and it's one of the worst things we can think of in our imag moral imagination and they have done this, and yet they are honest men, they say. And Joseph says, if you're honest men, here's the test. Um, and immediately after Joseph leaves, they say to each other, alas, we are paying the penalty for what we did to our brother. We saw his anguish when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. That is why this anguish has come upon us. They remember word for word tear for tear, emotion for emotion, everything Joseph did in his final moments to try to get them 
to not do this to him. And you can imagine the the sheer emotional weight of that scene there in the desert as they pull him out of that pit and they barter with the camel caravan for his life. And then he's gone. And they remembered that. These 10 brothers remembered every little, every moment of that. And they've remembered it ever since that day. And they've kept it a secret. And they've never told anybody. And they probably haven't even talked about it with each other. Because that's how you keep a secret. You don't even talk about it with the people that were involved in it. So that they don't crack. So that their consciences aren't pricked. So that they don't break down and confess. And they've done this. They've kept this going. And now... They say, that anguish has come upon us. The thing about breaking the law or the karma of life or whatever it is that we think of as a moral system is that it always comes back to break us. The more we break, the more it breaks us. And they've thought they've gotten away with this, but they haven't. This is a window into the moral life of people who do terrible things. We often think of people who do terrible things as callous, calloused, as unfeeling. We use the modern psychological terms of sociopathic for people that don't feel the kind of emotions. Um, And we might think that about these 10 brothers, that they have no feelings, that they were able to pull this off, this scam on their father, bringing the bloody robes of their brother to him and saying a a wild beast must have killed him in the desert. And they've pulled this lie off, but they do feel it. They feel it every single day. Their anguish has come back to them tenfold, hundredfold, a thousandfold. And here they are suffering for what they did. This is the reckoning of blood, the reckoning for his blood. Blood pays for blood. This is the law of the universe. This is why no one ever really gets away with anything in this life, because there is a moral universe that we all live in. Even if we defy the, and break the rules of it, um, we cannot fully escape it, and neither can these brothers. And so Joseph, instead of absolving them, instead of making it all go away, he lets the pain go. He lets the pain go. And I think this is an act of love in a way. Um, Joseph could easily execute them for being spies. This would not be a hard case to prove. Um, All they'd have to do is manufacture some evidence in an Egyptian law court, which there might not even be law courts like we think of them today. Um, Just take them in front of the Pharaoh or some other official, or even just Joseph can pass the sentence on them that they're spies and have them executed in an instant. He could do this. He could also sell them into slavery for themselves. He could do that as well. But he doesn't do that. He has thought about this moment every single day of his life. He thought, he's thought about the tears that he cried out to these brothers every single day of his life. And here, when he has his chance for revenge, he doesn't take it. He refuses to take this revenge. He turns, in fact... He is feeling what they are feeling in a very deep way. The memory of this event causes him to weep. He turns away and weeps. Here we see a glimpse of an ancient person's emotions. And we know that our emotions are real and valid. 
Um, someone on Sunday at the um, protest and uh, prayer event for trans children in Texas um, confronted me very violently and vehemently with a megaphone. And one of the things, and um, and a woman later without a megaphone confronted me as I was leaving, as I was going up to Pflugerville for the um, to the Panera Bread for um, our uh, last meeting. Uh, they, they confronted me and said, you know, you can't really trust your feelings. It seems like everybody here is driven by feelings, feelings of compassion for these trans kids when really um, that's wrong. You can't trust your feelings. And I was like, I don't know. I, I kind of lived that way for a lot of my life where I didn't trust my feelings. But I think you can trust your feelings. And I don't know if you can trust or not trust your feelings, but we all have feelings. Feelings just happen. And they're not really good or bad. They're just there. And we need to experience them. And we try to mitigate them in a lot of ways through life. We mitigate our feelings with alcohol, with drugs. We mitigate our feelings with distance and, and stoicism and with other ways of cutting people off so we don't have to feel things. And lots of ways that humans have, have worked around our feelings, trying to push them down. We try to suppress feelings in children. Stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about, we say. Um, we do all kinds of things to suppress the feelings in others and the feelings in ourselves. But here we see Joseph, a righteous man in this situation, who is trying to work for the good, like God is working, has feelings, and he turns his head away and weeps. He keeps, he keeps his composure when he turns back to them and speaks to them, because he wants this to play out in a way that he can be sure he can trust them again. The only way he can trust them is to put them to this test. So his feelings are part of the story. Um, he doesn't shy away from them. He moves into them. And I think that's an invitation for us. When we have feelings, we should feel them. Just like the waves of the ocean hitting the beach. There's nothing you can do to stop them. Let them hit the beach. They're going to hit the beach. Let them hit the beach. <laughs> Let the next wave hit the beach. The next wave will hit the beach. And eventually the waves will die down. But letting those waves hit the beach is really hard. And it's hard to be with someone who's having the waves hit the beach as well. And that is what um, Joseph does in this moment. And that's what God does with Joseph. Um, Joseph doesn't find a quick fix for this emotional problem that he has. What he does is he feels them, he goes with them, and he experiences them. And I think another thing that I'm learning from this story is that when other people are, are going through the paroxysms and the paralysis and the anguish of their own failures, their own sin, when people are fully remembering all the things they've done, and especially specific things that they've done to hurt other people, um, which we've all done, we all have these things in our lives. And there are moments where they come crashing back into our lives. And when that happens... We have to let people experience them by not trying to take them away, by not minimizing what they've done, but by letting people have a conscience and let them experience what that's like. This is hard to do. We want to take away other people's pain, especially the people we love. We want to take away their pain and get rid of it. But Joseph here knows that they have to go through this. This is something they have to go through. And it's the hardest thing to do when someone we love is going through something, 
to be there for them while they're going through it, to let them experience it, and then to be there with them as they go through it. It's messy. There's tears. There's anguish. There's suffering. And yet, God is working God's purposes in the lives of these 11 men, and now soon to be 12 men as Benjamin enters the story. So remember that. Feel your feelings today. If you've been hurt by someone, when those feelings come back, let them hit you like the the waves of the ocean, the waves at the lake, because the waves of feelings are not the ocean's waves. They are the lake waves. There's a difference between waves at a lake and waves at an ocean. In the ocean, the waves keep coming. They never stop. They get bigger and smaller, but they never stop. The waves of a lake, though, stop. Once the boat sails by or the storm, the wind dies down and it's calm again. And that's really what our emotions do. They're kind of turbulent at one moment. They will calm down. So when you're going through that feeling, let it happen. When someone else is going through the regrets of their life, let those emotions happen. Let the waves hit the beach. And ultimately, that is what God wants for us. He wants us to experience what we've done, to feel those things, so that we can then see a different vision for how life can be. Because every person in the story is going to come out of this story better for it, for the experience. And that's true for us too. So be encouraged today. Amen.